the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. We'd like to welcome you to our current event in weekly Bible study for December 19th, 2010. And today we're just going to be covering some more current event topics, related, uh, trying to relate those biblically. And uh, we're going to be looking at the first part regarding this winter solstice and this eclipse that's going to happen uh, very soon that uh, really hasn't been very much reported on. But we're going to report on that and also uh, do a brief study on how this relates to Christmas and the whole pagan tradition and how witches and warlocks view this time of year. Uh, We're also going to be covering a lot more current event topics as well regarding other things. And I'll just kind of run through those real quick here. Uh, We're going to be looking at the internet, the coming internet crackdown that's most likely imminent. And this WikiLeaks thing, how it relates to that, how it may be the excuse for all that to kind of happen, the the censorship that is most likely coming uh, regarding the Internet. Uh, Also, we're going to be looking at this Obamacare and some somewhat encouraging things that have happened regarding that uh, movement trying to actually kill Obamacare from coming, which would be wonderful. Uh, And then the next thing... We're going to be looking at, it's called Trusted Traveler Program, Let's Mexicans Skip Airport Security. And then Homeland Security messages coming to Walmart, hotels, malls, and how that's actually possibly coming to sports stadiums as well. And then also DHS implementing no work list. Citizens must get government approval to work in private sector jobs. Next article is the global elites pushing... Uh, to starve the world and control the food. And then kind of segueing from that into this worldwide water conspiracy. A lot of There's been a lot of talk of that recently. We're going to be looking at that as well. And then also looking at what's actually in the tap water. Kind of a brief look at that as well. And then how the H1N1 vaccine is linked to a 700% increase in miscarriages. Which was the one we reported on extensively last year. And then Professor has recorded the subsurface oil 600 miles thick near the DeSoto Canyon off the Florida coast. So I want to occasionally go back to the whole Gulf region oil spill thing to, because that, hasn't, that situation hasn't went away at all in any way, shape, or form. It's just there's just a total media blackout, essentially. Uh, and then there's a giant one-eighth mile glob of oil washes up on Orange Beach, overwhelming smell. There's a video with that as well. And then we're going to be looking at how the Gulf seafood has been tainted. And then how the armed services are now urging uh, their their kitchens to be stocked with Gulf seafood. So they want to really get the troops eating as much of this Gulf seafood as possible. So those are kind of going to be the topics for today. And let's go ahead and go back to the first one, which is entitled Witchcraft Warning, Winter Solstice, Eclipse Overlap is the first in 456 years. Uh, this is a secular news article from December 16th out of Ottawa, Canada. It says, this year's winter solstice, an event that will occur next Tuesday, will coincide, which I guess would be uh, this Tuesday coming up here, uh, will coincide with a full lunar eclipse in a union that hasn't been seen in 456 years. The celestial uh, 
ethnicity holds special significance for spiritualities that tap into the energy of the winter solstice. Now, this was written in a very favorable witchcraft light. You'll notice this article was. Uh, The winter solstice is the shortest day of the year, and a time that is associated with the rebirth of the sun from a pagan tradition. And this is a quote from Nicole Cooper, who is a high priestess at Toronto's Wiccan Church of Canada. That word Wiccan is associated with with what you would call white witchcraft, which the word Wiccan actually means twisted or bent. And it's supposedly like, you know, the good witch of the north or whatever, where you have the good witchcraft and then, you know, you have the dark witchcraft and then you have the gray in the middle. And they're, they're, they're the witches that do good stuff. So it's, it's all straight from the pit of hell. But this is a common way that people get indoctrinated into witchcraft is through the white because then supposedly they can do good, which is all total garbage. But, you know, all witchcraft is evil and all witchcraft is forbidden in the Bible. And in the Old Testament, it was punishable by death, you know. The Bible says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live in the Old Testament. So it was a very, very serious offense in the Old, and it still is in the New. Um, This high priestess's quote is as saying, it is a ritual of transformation from darkness into light. Now this is this winter solstice, which was the shortest day of the year. It's the day of the year that has the longest uh, dark period. Okay, so... This ritual is a transformation of darkness into light, and then she goes on to say, it's the idea that when things seem to seem really bleak, it's often our biggest opportunity for personal transformation. Which, you know, is very, very New Age sounding as well. Then she goes on to say, the idea that the sun and the moon are almost at their darkest at this point in time really only goes further to hammer that home. Cooper says Wiccans also see great significance in the unique coupling of the masculine energy of the sun and the feminine energy of the moon. Uh, Transformative energies that she plans to incorporate into the church's winter solstice rituals. So they're going to have witchcraft rituals, which will be taking place all over the planet uh, from various witchcraft factions. Some are Wiccan, some are totally into black magic. Some are at very, very, very extremely high levels, the Illuminati, and these types of people that are generational Luciferianism. These are people that have been brought up in this, usually generational. Um, In generational Luciferianism, you're typically looking at, in order to even participate in those rituals, you have to be almost literally born into it. It's a bloodline type of thing. Uh, Unless you've done a lot of other progressing of your own in some other way, but typically those are the people that are actually bloodline Luciferians and have been doing this literally hundreds of years. So this is how they practice their religion. Now, I put a little chart in here from a, um, it was entitled Satanic Sacrifices, um, and I'll give you the link to it, but it's just the little part that pertains the calendar that pertains to uh, the witchcraft that's going on at this time of year. December 22nd, 21st, the winter, it's called the winter sabbat, or the winter solstice, which is what we're talking about here today. And in that particular festival, typically it's celebrated through, with orgies, and has a very high sexual emphasis, and uh, it says that any, any age, male, female, human, or animal, is permitted regarding this particular time. And this is how they celebrate the winter solstice, okay, through 
you know, high-level witchcraft, high-level sexual rituals. And then you have December 24th, and you're getting into, um, you know, December 24th, December 25th, uh, which was originally celebrated by the Romans as Saturnalia, which is essentially the birth date of the sun god Tammuz. So, when we celebrate Xmas, which I like to refer to it as, has nothing to do with the birth of Jesus Christ. It has everything to do, and it has always had everything to do with the birth date of the sun god Tammuz, not the son of God, Jesus Christ. Okay, so if you want to go ahead and paganize or, or celebrate Jesus Christ's birth on a purely pagan day that's been celebrated from a purely pagan standpoint for eons of time, you have that option, okay? And I'm going to give you my teaching on this at the end here. We're going to look at this a little bit more. But, you know, Tammuz is the reason for the season, not Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has never been the reason for this season. Okay, you can argue that all you want, and you can try to Christianize it all you want. But the fact remains is that if you go back hundreds and hundreds of years, this had never had anything to do with the birth of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, but everything to do with the birth of the Sun God, Tammuz. And, you know, how it's associated with Nimrod and all of these satanic pagan festivals. So, we're going to look at all the symbolism of, of Christmas, not all of it, but we're going to be taking a brief look. Now, a much more in-depth look, if you want to see my audio, and then I also have a PDF, I'll give you the link for you can look at that. And the Bible says, He that judgeth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. So, I believe this is a big reason why God's judgment is coming to America, in part. I mean, obviously you have the abortion issue, you have the gay sodomy issue that's going on, you have a lot of other different issues, but um, taking pagan holidays and Christianizing them, which is what the Roman Catholic Church did, and they're the ones that have literally done this and repackaged these and brought them to us, you know, going all the way back to, you know, around 300 B.C., I mean, not exactly 300 B.C., but in that time frame, uh, 318, when the Roman Catholic Church was, was formed, they're the ones that have done this. They're the ones that have taken pagan holidays and put a Christian veneer on them, and we're still celebrating them to this day. And the traditions of God, as the Bible says, have made the word of God of none effect. And that's what's happened. So, you know, it's very black and white. It's not a gray issue. A lot of people want to make it a gray issue. I'm not condemning anyone for for doing what they do. I'm just stating facts, you know. Um, you know, there was a time that I celebrated Christmas and all these things. And, and, and it's not like when I first started learning about this, I just automatically stopped doing it. It was, it was hard. It wasn't easy. And it did take me some time. And yes, my family didn't like it. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, problems that it created. But I would rather be right with God than please man, you know, is what it ultimately ends up coming down to. You know, you want to make sure you're pleasing God and not man. And so then we have December 24th, which is also known as Demon Revels or Christmas Eve. And um, there is a, um, uh, a blood sacrifice on that particular day, um, according to this particular chart. And they actually will receive body parts as Christmas gifts, is one of the ways the high-level occultists celebrate Xmas, is by exchanging of body parts that have been sacrificed, okay? Uh, and the highest sacrifice, the, the most preferable highest sacrifice on 
you know, Christmas Eve is the infant male. So a baby, little baby boy. Okay. Please understand, this is going on worldwide. On a global scale. On an increasing level. Every time we have pagan holidays. Whether it's winter solstice, whether it's Ishtar, whether it's whatever. Okay, this is what goes on. This is also referred to as high grand climax. And um, I'll give you the link to that chart. We're also going to go into that more in depth from some of Doc Marquis' research as well. Um, not too far from now. But let's finish with this article. Since the last time an eclipse and the winter solstice happened simultaneously was just under five centuries ago. Now, understand, the winter solstice is a really big deal for occultists. Whether they be high level, low level, or anything in between. It's a really big deal. Now, you couple that with an eclipse um, that hasn't happened in almost 500 years. Now you've got a really big deal. You have to understand that these occultists typically don't do anything unless they do it on some type of occult calendar. Doc Marquis, who was literally brought up as a generational Luciferianism, would confirm this to you. So, it's a really big deal to them, and they believe that on specific dates, on specific star alignments, you know, and this is why they so much emphasize astrology and the horoscopes, because they really do believe it's that big of a deal. And they know that there's more power in their spell casting if they do it um, at the right time. Now, if you com- if you um, combine an eclipse, a lunar eclipse, with the winter solstice, I can only imagine, from an occult standpoint, how big of a deal that may be. I can't really comprehend it. I've never really been in the occult, but I, I, I would venture to say that this is a really big deal and something where, that they would view where they could accomplish much, much wickedness on a winter solstice with a lunar eclipse. Now, I'm saying all of this so that you out there can be praying about this, counteracting whatever wickedness they are going to try to bring forth with their spell casting. And for you to pray for the people and the animals that are scheduled to be sacrificed on this particular night. I had a dream the other night. The Lord showed me a little glimpse of this of what's going on worldwide. And I'm not saying I always have dreams like this, okay? This dream was so horrific. It's like I got a glimpse into what was going on in like really, really high-level Luciferian pedophilia. I don't remember most of the dream. I think God blocked it out. Although I remember that it was so horrific. I got up and I was bawling my eyes out for I don't know how long over what God showed me, and I didn't even remember it all. But I remembered there was little children, animals, humans, and the Catholic Church had a whole lot to do with it. I remember there being priests, the priest pedophiles, they had a lot to do with it as well. And that the horrificness of what goes on behind closed doors. Now, I've done a whole teaching on pedophilia. I've done a whole teaching on Disney, how that relates to the pedophilia issue that you can reference on contendingfortruth.com. Go to the download section. You'll see in the right-hand corner, click on that. 
And also, if you get my emails, there's other alternate ways of accessing my teachings. But I got a glimpse of this the other night. I don't think I've ever cried so hard in my life. I honestly, I was writhing. I was crying so hard over what I got a glimpse of. And I didn't even remember the whole dream. All I can tell you is that it was so horrific what they're doing to little children, babies, women and men, and animals, that you in your own mind couldn't even conceive of the wickedness that goes on behind closed doors. And this is how not only they get their jollies, but how they practice their religion. This is how they literally practice their religion. Aleister Crowley has said this, that the most you know preferable sacrifice was a young male infant, and he bragged about all of the little boys and girls that, that, that he defiled sexually and then sacrificed. And I mean, this is how they practice their religion. They believe that it's almost like they believe they're vampirizing the innocence, and it's, it's, it's like a power trip for them. They're actually vampirizing their innocence and the fear that is created at the time of sacrifice. And if they, they at the time of maximum fear, they'll, they'll generally slit their throat or do something to get the blood, and literally the endorphins and the, um, the things that are in the blood at the time of sacrifice, if they've done it right, it's almost like they get a rush off what that sacrificial victim was feeling at the moment of sacrifice. Because there's a substance that's secreted in the brain called adrenochrome that not a lot of people know about. And uh, adrenaline and endorphins and things of this nature that are secreted when you're maximally, maximally traumatized and then sacrificed. And I guess they get some type of high off it from drinking their blood at that point. And you, you can't even conceive of the wickedness that goes on. Uh, and I got a little glimpse of that the other night in this dream. I and mean, I was like 3 o'clock in the morning, I got woken up. And I mean, I'm telling you, it was so horrific, I can't even, I can't even begin to describe to you how some people, and, and, and unfortunately it's probably increasing, because the more... The, the more things get satanically dark the more people that are recruited into Satanism, the, the more wicked things get. Well, the more of this is going to go on. The, the closer the Antichrist is to making his big debut. And, and, and you know, the Bible says, evil men and seducers shall wax, and that word means to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We're, we're, we're heading into the most wicked time the world's ever known, the time of strong delusion. You know, the time of the great falling away, when the Antichrist is going to, you know, and then that wickedness will be revealed, as the Bible refers to in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And then the Bible goes on to say, and for this cause, God will send them strong delusion, that they will believe a lie, that they might all be damned, who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And we need to guard our own hearts, because the Bible says, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect, Matthew twenty four twenty four. So, you know, let Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So th- this is something we, we, we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. This is one of his main devices, but it's something that the typical modern-day 501c3 church will not mention whatsoever. And it should be mentioning it, because this is going on. This is more real than anything that we're really even exposed to. It's just because it's done in darkness and we're not exposed to it, we don't think about it very much. And I'm as guilty as anyone else. I admit it. 
And um, it really, um, I don't know, I, it really got me realizing that I need to be praying about this more than I have. And we all need to be, because uh, it's just horrific what's going on behind closed doors. Going back to this article, it said that Wiccans, uh, this is a, another quote from that witch, Wiccans don't think of things as being good or evil. They just are. Our experience of them makes them positive or negative for us. See, what a, what a delusional, deluded assessment of things. I mean, how convenient of a statement is that? You know, essentially, we're our own gods. We decide what is good and evil. We transcend good and evil. That's how they view themselves. That they transcend good and evil. These occultists. Now, the Bible says in Proverbs 14.12 and 16.25, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And that pretty much describes the, the quote that we just read, I think. And then Proverbs 28.26 says, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Okay, so when you walk wisely, it implies deliverance as well, and protection of God. Also, the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him, and he delivereth them. So fear of the Lord is also very important in that regard. And I've mentioned that many times in the past. So, he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. You know, that would go against a lot of the commercials they have on, you know, um, nowadays. Just trust your heart. It'll never deceive you, ever. Or a lot of the movies and these types of things. But the Bible says there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Which is your heart. But the end thereof are the ways of death. If you trust in your own heart, you're a fool in God's eyes. So, the Bible also says in Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, searcheth, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Proverbs 18, 2 says, A fool hath no delight in understanding. And then all the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirits. So, you know, these are the things that the Bible says which go against the wisdom of man. Okay, and let's go a little bit further here. So, going back to the article, it says a winter solstice is, is also played an important part in Greco-Roman rituals. And it's seen as a time of rebirth or renewal because of... Astrologically, it is a time where the light comes back. Said Shane Hawkins, the professor of Greek and Roman studies at uh, Carrollton University in Ottawa. Now, I've also heard that the reason that particularly uh, pagans have uh, celebrated this with human sacrifice is because they believe that if they didn't have some type of human slash animal slash whatever sacrifice at this time of year, that literally this, um, I believe they refer to as the stag god, they didn't appease the stag god, well, then what would end up happening is the days would, would keep getting um, uh, shorter and shorter and shorter, and they would never have any type of, of, of opportunity to harvest. In other words, darkness would overtake them. But if they had the proper human sacrifices at that particular time of year, the days would start to lengthen. So they literally believed that through their human sacrifices, they were, by appeasing these devil gods even though they had nothing to do with it. God is the one that causes the seasons and the sun to burn and the stars to shine and the moon, you know. It's not because of some pagan ritual, but that's what these um, 
fallen angels and demons had deceived these people into believing these occultists. And, and they believed they had to have these human sacrifices in order for the days to lengthen. And then, lo and behold, the days would start to lengthen after they had their human sacrifice. So for them, it was like, wow, this is confirmation. This really does work. And they had nothing to do with any of it, obviously. Uh, and then let's go further. For the Romans, it was also a time of great feasting and debauchery. Now, this is the Saturnalia aspect of it. And going on, he said, if the eclipse happened on the 21st, they might well have been drunk, he said. A lunar eclipse taking place during the solstice is not an event Hawkins has seen in research. Well, it's been over 500 years since this has happened. So that's why I'm saying this is a really big deal. But he said it would have been viewed as something very special. The last time two celestial the, the two celestial events happened on the same time was A.D. 1554, according to NASA. The eclipse will start just after midnight Eastern Time on Tuesday, with the main event starting at 1.30 a.m. Eastern Time and last until about 5.30 a.m. when the moon appears. So, again, I'm saying this just so, you know, praying about it and, you know, also relating. I wanted to mention that dream I had the other night because it was absolutely the most, I think, horrific dream I've ever even had. It really was. It was unbelievable. We have no concept of what's going on behind closed doors. We really don't. I mean, unless we've like been there in like some type of high-level Luciferian satanic cult, I don't think any of us have any comprehension of what really the depths of Satan that is going on. Uh, next part is specific dates within the occult calendar. Winter solstice and Xmas. Now, I, I know I burst a lot of bubbles during this time of year, and a lot of people don't agree with me about all this, but, you know, how can you really argue with the information I'm bringing you forth? This is how they celebrate their religion. The occultists do, okay? And even if you want to try to Christianize and put a Christian video, it doesn't change the fact that this is still how the high-level occultists are celebrating and practicing their religion. And we should be praying about these things because this is happening. It's not, not like I'm making this stuff up. This is straight from the witches. They're admitting to this. And the warlocks and everyone else involved in, in high-level occult. They've admitted to this. The winter solstice, um, December 21st, 22nd, Yule, which is also referred to as winter solstice, Yule. Okay, When the sun begins its northward trek in the sky, the days begin to grow longer again. Pagans celebrated the winter solstice by burning a Yule log. Since the sun had reversed itself and was now rising in the sky... Pagans believed this was a sign that the human sacrifices carried out in Samhain, or Halloween, had been accepted by the gods. So, they even go back to Halloween and tie that into this. And then it goes on to say, We continue to sing Deck the Halls with Balls of Holly, tra-la-la-la-la, you know, the whole thing. Um, and then it says, Troll the ancient Yuletide Carol. And then it goes on to say, See the blazing Yule before us, fa la la you know, the whole song, Okay. So that song is absolutely totally rooted in paganism. And yet, you know, a lot of people sing it like it's some wonderful little happy Xmas song. And it's not. It's a pagan song. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church later changed the day of celebration of Yule to December 25th, calling it Christmas. Consider the pagan roots of our popular symbols of Christmas. The Christmas tree, which is the sacred tree of the winter god. Druids believe the spirit of the gods resided in the tree. Uh, and... Um, 
the Druids were like the high priest over the Celts, and these guys were seriously, seriously wicked. Okay, I mean, it's human sacrifice. You want to you want to know more about the Druids? Listen to my teaching I did on Halloween. Okay, and the Wicker Man, and that's about as bad as it gets. Uh, most ancient pagans knew the tree represented Nimrod reincarnated into Tammuz. Okay, this is what the tree represented: Nimrod reincarnated into Tim Tammuz. Reincarnation also a total New Age, unbiblical thing. The Bible said says it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. Then it goes on to say pagans also looked upon the tree as a phallic symbol, like an obelisk, phallic symbol, the male, you know, representation. So that's what the Christmas tree represents. And that's just a little nutshell. If you want to know more of the full story, listen to my whole teaching on this. And then the star, like the star on top of the tree, also referred to as the Pentaphalia, or a five-pointed star. The Pentaphalia is a powerful symbol of Satan. It's the pentagram. It is what white witches wear around their neck in a, in a pentagram form. The, the circle and the star in the middle. If the... Um, Point on the stars pointing up, it's a symbol of white witchcraft, which is typically what a Wiccan witch would wear, like the one they interviewed earlier. If it's pointing down, you're into the darker, dark black magic, okay, which would be, you know, the dark, not the Wiccan, but the dark. And that's, that's known as a pentagram either way, okay. It's also symbolized in what they call the goat of Mendez or Baphomet as well, which is, um, very, very satanic symbol. Now, the pentaphalia, or the pentagram, is a powerful symbol of Satan, second only to the hexagram, which is the six-pointed star. Hex, meaning curse. Six, you know, you, you can get a 666 out of a hexagram. It is not a symbol of of is or of um, the Jews in, in Israel. It never has been, okay? That was just something that, basically, they were conditioned to believe. And I did a whole study on the hexagram that you can reference as well. And there's a number of different ways you can do that. I said go up to my website, contendingfortruth.com. Look on the right-hand side. Uh, Right-hand corner, you'll see downloads. There's about 383 teachings there. And then there's also other options on the right-hand side of other websites you can go to to listen to those teachings. Um, The contendingfortruth.com website isn't... There's a lot of teachings right now of the older versions that have actual descriptions, and some of them don't have the proper audio format as of yet. Um, We had some massive problems in the last few months. But all the teachings are up on the Internet in various different sites, and I pretty much give you those options on the contendingfortruth.com site. So you should be able to find them no matter what. So the the pentagram is only secondary in, in regard to power to the hexagram. Okay, the star is the sacred symbol of Nimrod and has nothing whatsoever to do with Christianity. Now, then you also look at Islam, and Islam is the crescent moon with the star. Remember, the crescent moon is representative of the female, okay, and the star is representative of the male principle, okay. And when you see the star and the crescent moon together, it's it's symbolic of the male and the female uniting sexually. Okay, so that that's kind of in regard to Islam. That's and you see the crescent moon and the star is near the crescent. Okay, so that's what that means as well. Candles, candles represent the the sun god's newly born fire, 
and are also a phallic symbol. The pagans the world over use candles in their rituals and ceremonies. Certain colors are also thought to represent specific powers. The extensive use of candles is usually a very good indication that the service is pagan, no matter what the outward trappings might be. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, if you're like burning a candle in your house or something, I mean, but I'm talking about candles that are specifically used in regard to witchcraft ceremonies. Mistletoe is a sacred plant to the Druids, symbolizing the pagan blessings of fertility. Thus, kissing under the mistletoe is the first step in the reproductive cycle. Witches also use the white berries in potions. Okay? Wreaths, okay, like the wreaths you hang on your door or whatever, they are circular. They represent the female sexual organ. Okay, that's why, you know, I used to go to this one church a long time and they had all these wreaths up and I tried to tell the pastor, he didn't want anything to do with it. He didn't want to know about hexagrams. He didn't want to know about wreaths. He didn't want to know about Christmas trees. You know, he didn't want to know none of that stuff. Okay, and this is why I ultimately ended up going out of most churches because, I mean, that one thing alone, 99% of all the churches out there celebrating these holidays most of the time. So, you know, for me, it just wasn't an option. After a certain time, I'm not saying I, you know, I did this instantaneously, but after a certain time, I was I was let out of there. Um, so when you see a wreath with candles on it, that is much like what I just said with Islam, with the crescent moon and the star, the male and the female principles together, and also the square and the compass of the Masons, which is also the male and the female reuniting uh, in a sexual union. Well, when you see a wreath with candles on it, the phallic symbols of the candle and the wreath being the female genitalia, that is also symbolic of that. They're pagan fertility, uh, they're representative of pagan fertility rituals and rites. That's what all these pagan holidays generally represent. And that's why sex is so much of the, of the time um, uh, used in these rituals and then also human sacrifice. So, the wreaths are also associated with fertility and the circle of life. Now, let's go further. Santa Claus. Former Satanists have told me that Santa, now this is from Doc Marquis, Santa is an anagram for Satan. I mean, all you got to do is flip a couple words around in Santa to get Satan. I call him Satan Claus. Um, and in the New Age, the god Sanat Kumara, Kamura, which is one of those high-level ascended masters that I've talked about in the past, Sanat Kumara, is most definitely an anagram for Satan. Uh, the mythical attributes and powers ascribed to Santa are eerily close to those uh, used by Jesus Christ as well. Okay, because they're always trying to to um, you know do a knockoff or, or trying to imitate Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Creator of the universe. The Bible says all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In John one, so uh, you know Satan's the great imitator. So this is you know he knows when. Whatever, you're asleep, he knows when you're awake, he knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You know, all this garbage. He, they they want to make Santa Claus out to be, you know, omnipotent, omnipresent, and, and, you know, the whole nine yards. And so it's just um, satanic counterfeit. Reindeer are horned animals representing the horn god or the stag, stag god of the pagan symbols. Remember how I said the stag god has a lot to do with this winter solstice? Well, you have the reindeer. And Santa's traditional number of reindeer is eight, 
in Satanic Gematria, which is the study of uh, numbers, eight is the number of new beginnings, or the cycle of reincarnation. Now remember, this is the, the new beginning of the year, because this is when the days go from being, you know, uh, their, the nights go from being the longest, and then it starts that reversal, where then the day starts to become longer. And then you get into, you know, literally uh, later into spring, where you can actually harvest and these types of things. So it's a really big deal for them. But eight in semantic Satanic Gematria is the number of new beginnings or the cycle of reincarnation. The Illuminati views the number 8 as a symbol for the new world order as well. Elves. Elves are imp-like creatures who are Satan's, or are Santa's, little helpers. They are also demons, essentially. Green and red are the traditional colors of the season. They are one of the traditional pagan colors of winter. Green is, I guess, supposedly Satan's favorite color, so it is appropriate. It should be one of the traditional colors of Christmas. Red is the color of human blood, Satan's highest form of sacrifice for the season. Communism adopted red as its main color. It doesn't mean that, I mean, I'm going to go around and say anyone wearing green is, you know, I mean, the trees are green, you know, that type of thing. But, you know, from a, from a, from a satanic standpoint, this is how they view things. December 25th, Known as the Nativity, also known as the Nativity of the Sun, it is the birth date of the Sun God, S-U-N, Sun God, Tammuz, who they view as the Sun God. Not the Son of God, S-O-N, Jesus Christ. But you see how they just, you know, they take one and they substitute it for the other. And the pagans who celebrate this know it's the birth date of the Sun God, Tammuz. And the, and the Christians who don't know this think it's the birth of the Son of God, but the pagans know better. You know, so they can all celebrate on the same day. And the pagans are over there thinking, you stupid Christian. I'm sorry, that's how they view us. I, I read too many accounts of how witches view Christians celebrating their holidays. <laughs> you know, and I guess, you know, they have every right to feel that way. Um... Traditionally, December 21st is also known as Yule. The Roman Catholic Church moved the celebration of Yule to December 25th. December 25th is also known to the Romans as Saturnalia. A time of deliberate debauchery. I mean, you know, anything went from what I have read about Saturnalia. I mean, you could basically pedophilia, raping little girls, boys, you know, anything went on that day, pretty much, in ancient Roman times. I guess depending on where you lived. So, drinking... Uh, through repeated uh, re- repeated toasting, okay, other words, drinking liquor, through repeated toasting known as wasal, was a key to the debauchery of the celebration. Hey, hey, you get drunk enough, you know, your inhibitions come down, and then anything goes. And then uh, not only that, then you have all the devils and demons that are aff- affiliated with that. You have uh, uh, the fallen angel Bacchus, who is associated with um, debauchery, and so you have that going on as well. Fornication was symbolized by the mistletoe, and the entire event was finished with the great feast, the Christmas dinner. Okay? So, and then, the even the name Christmas is pagan. Christi, meaning Christ. Mass, meaning the mass, like the Catholics celebrate the mass. Okay? Since all pagan masses are commemorating death, the name Christmas literally means the death of Christ. How blasphemous can you get? Okay, this is how the, the, the pagans would view things. The name Christmas actually means the death of Christ. A deeper meaning lies in the mention of Christ without specifying Jesus. Thus, 
The Antichrist is in view here. The pagans celebrate Christmas as a celebration of their coming Antichrist, who will deal a death, who they believe will deal a death blow to the Jesus Christ of Christianity. So that's what that's what Christmas really means. Tammuz is the reason for the season. And here comes Satan Claus, here comes Satan Claus, right down Satan Claus Lane. That's what it really means. Now I know I've sugarcoated it, and I, I, I apologize for all that. You know, I know I've, I've presented this in a real gentle way. I'm sorry, it's hard for me to like do that anymore. I mean, the more I study this, the more flagrant I see how it is, and the more I realize people do need the truth about this. Now, I give you the links to this information. I also give you the link to my full teaching on this, which really goes to this in depth. And then I also, uh, it's, it's going to be on the PDF associated with the 12-19-2010 teaching, current event teaching. And uh, the, um, at the very end of this article, it would be on page, uh, probably about on page 6 of the PDF. And you'll see Xmas, Biggest Pagan Holiday, Dr. Scott Johnson. And then you'll also see Xmas, Biggest Pagan Holiday, PDF. So you can get the PDF as well. Look at that. Please search it out. And then it goes on, it ends by saying early Christian pilgrims refused to celebrate this day. And, you know, that was, you know, it was commonly known back then, but now it's not. And let's go ahead and shift gears here and we will go to the next article, which is entitled, Is the Long-Awaited Government Crackdown on the Internet Now Imminent? Is the WikiLeaks release the global excuse needed to regulate the internet? Now, when I first saw this thing with the WikiLeaks, I, I didn't comment on it right away, but I had a real bad feeling that this is just one more step in them ultimately, you know, banning free speech on the internet. Okay, that's the first thing that I thought. And the more I'm researching this, the more obvi- uh, uh, flagrantly obvious this is becoming. This is from a news brief which is entitled, Is the Internet 9-11 Underway? Uh, it's from before it's news. And it says, think about it, there is, and this is this article in and of itself is from Cutting Edge, though, cuttingedge.org. It goes on to say, think about it, where is the seemingly staged WikiLeaks fur taking us? While we participate in digging into the juicy tidbits of information that incriminate just about anybody and everybody, where is it all going? See, that's that was my question when I saw all this. It wasn't so much... The WikiLeaks thing, where is this going to take us? Okay, is what I was thinking. Goes on to say, you guessed it, the last bastion of freedom of information and expression. Of course, you know, you have shortwave as well, but you just can't reach, you're not going to ever reach near as many people on shortwave, I don't believe, as you would on the internet. Just because it's just so much bigger, you know. Not to say shortwave's bad, it's just, it's not ever going to be on the level or on par with what the current modern day internet has become. Uh, the last bastion of freedom of information expression of free internet will topple after all. If information is now the enemy, we must carefully police any and every aspect of this dangerous medium, meaning information. All for the safety and protection of we the people. Oh, we'll still have the internet, just like you can still fly, but you must, ha- but you must be on the approved list, screened, stamped, zapped, mugged, and molested if you want to get, you know on a plane, or now it'll be on the internet, most likely. And again, what they're going to probably do is just systematically take down um, the websites that are putting out truth. At this point, the author lists warning signs that they are significant. Number one, WikiLeaks is way too approved and way too publicized. 
Number two, the supposed system fighter says that the 9-11 truth issue is a, quote, distraction. The guy at the head of WikiLeaks. And then Cutting Edge goes on to say, well, we mustn't step on your boss's toes now, should we, Julian? Very suspicious if you ask me. In other words, Cutting Edge believes that this is just staged, which is pretty much what I believe as well. This was just some staged event so that they could have an excuse to get us one step closer to total internet regulation and banning of, of the websites that are putting out truth. Number three, WikiLeaks and, and Assange's sketchy background. The creator of WikiLeaks have not been formally identified. Assange describes himself as a member of WikiLeaks advisory board. Also, Assange reportedly wrote for both the New York Times and The Economist, which is fishy as well. Not a real enlightened or alternative mindset. His mysterious persona also plays well into the WikiLeaks furtive... Um, furtive image so people won't expect to know too much which is also very convenient for keeping anything else hidden number four watch the hype there is a growing crescendo of anger and hate that is now being whipped up to the point that assange is being called a new kind of terrorist and more disturbingly and as expected the comparison is now being drawn between assange and bin laden now this is see the thing is 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 if they do it to him they're going to ultimately do it to people like myself and cutting edge and all you know, people out there that are that are putting out truth as well through the propaganda machine, Big Brother. Number five, like Bin Laden, Assange has no permanent address, does not maintain a headquarters, employs only a select few confidants, and is taken to hiding in covert areas. And then he goes on to say, I concur heartily as a former army intelligence during the Vietnam War. This is David Bay speaking, I believe. I can tell you that it is very suspicious that so many top secret documents could be released by any single source without government agents around the world cooperating to prevent their release. Yeah, it's very, very suspicious. Pretty much anything you see on mainstream news anymore, I mean, it, you have to just automatically, in your mind, say, okay, what's the hidden agenda? You know, they're trying to foist something else on us. You know, what's their angle? Next article is related. Censorship of the internet took a huge leap forward as the U.S. government used its Patriot Act powers to assemble a secret grand jury to prosecute Julian Assange of the WikiLeaks. And this is from Secret Grand Jury and Paneled in WikiLeaks case by InfoWars. It says, Mark Stevens, the British attorney representing WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, says that a secret grand jury is meeting in Alexandria, Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia, like Alexandria, Egypt. That's also where George Washington has his, um, the George Washington Masonic Memorial is in Alexandria, Virginia, which I'll get into that in not this particular teaching today, but probably next week. We're going to look at that as well again. I've, I've covered that a little bit in times past, but we're going to cover it in brief again. Um, this was in response to release of more than 250,000 U.S. diplomatic cables by WikiLeaks. Stevens made the claim during an interview with David Frost. Mr. Stevens cited Swedish authorities as the source of his information. So how can Assange get to America if he's currently being imprisoned in Great Britain? Stevens also says that if Assange is sent from Britain to Sweden, the Swedish government will defer to the Americans. In other words, it is likely Assange would be extradited to the United States to stay in trial for espionage and other crimes. The move, the Swedes said, Stevens reveals a collusion and embarrassment. I agree that Swedish authorities should be embarrassed by the flimsy charges of sexual assault, especially since the main accuser of the sexual assault has left Sweden and is no longer cooperating with authorities. 
which is this is something very very common you'll see you know about I, and when they when they started accusing this guy of sexual assault my first in, thing was oh they're just trying to totally discredit the guy and you know label him as some pervert in order to just discredit him in 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 paint him in the worst light they can possibly paint him in it goes on to say do you remember the charges filed against president bill clinton he could have been charged with perjury to which he had admitted, or with treason for passing secrets to the Russians and Chinese, but he was charged with sex offenses with Monica Lewinsky, which were the weakest of all possible charges. When I heard that he had been charged with a sexual offense, this is Assange, I... No, actually, no, this is Clinton. I knew that the skids had been greased for his exoneration. Indeed, almost a year later, a Masonic-led Congress cleared him of all charges. And then they've got an article you can hear, you can read to understand that. It's called Masonic-led Congress Acquitted President Bill Clinton, and I'll give you the link to that. The Assange charge on sexual assault has the same kind of feel to it. Since Assange cannot be charged on foreign soil with any crime by releasing WikiLeaks documents, a trumped-up sex charge is the only charge authorities could bring forth. However, the most insidious possibility is that Swedish authorities may get him on their soil based upon sexual assault charges, knowing they will never actually bring these charges against Assange. But since they have him on Swedish soil, they can then extradite him to the United States, where a secret grand jury is already waiting him in Alexandria, Virginia. Some news stories are indicating that American authorities might be bringing Assange up on espionage charges under the 1917 Espionage Act. Let us now review the horrific story behind this old law. Um, this is from a sad day for the U.S. if the Espion- Espionage Act is used against WikiLeaks. It's, this article starts out by saying, Numerous U.S. officials are calling for a resurrection of the U.S. Espionage Act as a tool for prosecuting the WikiLeaks Assange. The dusting off of the old law is all but certain, but the outcome of the constitutional dust-up that is sure to follow will result in triumph or tragedy for the U.S. Bill of Rights. In 1917, in the midst of a war hysteria, the United States passed the Espionage Act. The law has nothing to do with prosecuting spies from its inception. It had everything to do with suppressing dissent. And you're going to see a whole lot of that, because the whole one-world, big-brother government that's coming, and I mean, I have never seen more flagrant stuff that's going on right now in our government. I mean, this lame-duck Congress and, and all the stuff they're trying to ram through, they just passed, don't ask, don't tell, with the gays, and and um, all the stuff they're trying, I mean, it's so flagrant and so bad, I have never seen anything this flagrant in my life from, coming from our government. And one of the big things they're going to try to do, because they are getting so flagrant, is to pre- suppress dissent, to silence the voice of their critics, because they don't want to hear it. They don't care, and they don't want to hear it, and they just want to silence them. So, the Great War was an unpopular with many Americans, very much like today's engagements in Iraq and Afghanistan. goes on to say, I did not know that the 1917 Espionage Act was created in order to suppress war dissent. If that is the case, then the old law would be tailor-made to use against WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange. Make no mistake about it, the Espionage Act targeted political dissidents. Senator Kenneth McKellar of Tennessee offered a simple defense of the law when it was introduced to Congress. He said, if we cannot reason with men to be loyal, it is high time we force them 
to be loyal. Yeah, but who's the one that decides what loyalty is? See, to me, I'm, I, I must be loyal to the word of God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. As, um, as is said in the Bible, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, so, but see, when you have a corrupt, perverted, wicked government, and they're telling you what loyalty is, it's going to, their form of loyalty is going to be perverted and warped. Others, such as Congressman, Congressman William Green of Iowa, were more blunt. His statement resembled modern-day calls supporting the execution of the suspected WikiLeaks whistleblower, Bradley Manning. He said, quote, For the extermination of these pernicious vermin, no measures can be too severe, end of quote. So they'd be calling for the execution. Which, if you, look, if you harken back to 1984, you know, George Orwell, they were executing people right and left there. Anyone that went against the government in any way, shape, or form were executed publicly. And that's, that's unfortunately where we're moving. Ultimately, the end of, of, you know, the end byproduct of tyranny. Public executions for going against Big Brother. As we consider the ramifications of this Espionage Act to prosecute WikiLeaks, we have to ask why this act was not used to prosecute journalists who leaked the damaging Pentagon Papers of 1971. These papers revealed that President Johnson and his cabinet lied repeatedly in order to maneuver America into the Vietnam War. The Pentagon Papers created a huge uproar amongst the American people and greatly moved popular opinion into strong opposition to the war. As the legal machinery slows, so they use it when they when they want to advance an agenda. You know, they'll just um, if somebody does something very flagrantly evil or obvious, they just the, the media is silent about it. But if they want to make an example of somebody, they lie about that person or that agenda, and then they they trump up all these things and they put it on the front page news. Just depends what their agenda is. As the legal machinery slowly grinds to the completion in the WikiLeaks affair, we believe that most, the most obvious outcome is plain to be an effective censoring, censorship of the Internet. See, that's the end game. As the Illuminati, Illuminati, card, uh, the Illuminati card game, and I give you the picture there, pictured above, it says censorship reveals the Illuminati plans to shut down all independent news and analysis of the news in the entire world. I, I've told you this before that, you know, the, the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, the night cometh when no man can work. And, you know, that's where we're going here. And, I mean, I hate to say it, but that is where, where we're moving toward. And um, it's unfortunate, but, you know, I'm um, looking at the situation. I know that, that you know, this ministry's days are going to be limited. Not just me, but a lot of other people. Um and it's not because God's, you know, not strong enough to keep us up here. It's just that the night cometh when no man can work. The Bible predicts it's going to be this way. And so this is why you want to get as educated as you can right now because I don't know how much longer this type of truth is going to be permitted to be up on the Internet. And, and again, this is why I pray, I thank you for your prayers regarding this ministry because I know if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ's intervention and your prayers that I probably would have been gone a long time ago. So, I just praise the Lord Jesus Christ for that. The next article is titled, 20 States Ask Judge to Throw Out the Obama Health Care Law. Um, attorneys for 20 states 
fighting the new federal health care law, told the judge Thursday it will expand the government's powers in dangerous, unintended ways. The states want the U.S. District Judge Roger Vinson to issue a summary judgment throwing out the health care law without a full trial. They argue it violates people's rights by forcing them to buy health insurance by 2014 or face penalties. The act would leave more constitutional damage in its wake than any other statute in our history, David Rivkin, an attorney for the states, told Vincent. And again, I, I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that for this particular article. Uh, at least there's some states out there that are trying to get this thrown out, this absolute draconian abomination that Obama is trying to um, mandate and force on the people of America. Just unbelievable. And then there's the reality report with Gary Franchi, and he's got a little more of an update on that. I'm just going to play the first two minute, two minutes and 35 seconds of this reality report so we can get a little more of an update on that. In this edition of the reality report, Gary Franchi reviews a landmark Supreme Court decision and reveals the silver bullet to kill Obamacare. Not to say it's going to happen, but you know, I think it was worth reporting on. It is not too late for America to correct its course and stop the march toward a government-run, single-payer health care system. Polls show that a large majority of Americans don't want Obamacare. Congress should seize the opportunity to repeal the very worst aspect of this new legislation, namely the mandate that forces every American either to purchase health insurance or face an IRS penalty. This mandate represents nothing more than an unconstitutional, historically unprecedented gift to the insurance industry. Ron Paul's H.R. 4995, the End the Mandate Act 2010, remains in committee with 25 co-sponsors, and the case against Obamacare is building up. Courts are coming out and declaring it unconstitutional, and the people are standing against it. But did you know the ruling in the landmark Supreme Court case brought against the federal government by Sheriff Jay Prince and Sheriff Richard Mack has laid the judicial foundation to declare Obamacare unconstitutional? The ruling in Prince versus United States declared the federal government may not compel the states to enact or administer a federal regulatory program. The opinion of the court in Prince versus United States case was drafted by Justice Scalia, who stated, We have held, however, that state legislatures are not subject to federal direction. It's true. The Prince ruling is the silver bullet to nullify Obamacare. But you know as well as I that a few court rulings won't stop the objectives of those who want us to submit our bodies to be treated by government-funded doctors. So we must fight back on all fronts, protest in the streets, take action in the state houses, and support Ron Paul's H.R. 4995. Our skin is the last jurisdiction of freedom we have. The Constitution states we have the right to be secure in our persons, our bodies, and Obamacare will totally end the freedom we have to choose what we do with our bodies. The choice is yours. Sit back and let the system dictate to you how you will live, or you dictate to the system how you will let it live. You are the ruler, not the ruled. You are the master and not the slave. Remember that. Know the tools you have to take action and act now while you are free to do so. The prince. So anyway, that was Gary Franchi's take on that. Uh, that's, you know, that it's just one of those things where there's so many different pieces of legislation that have either been railroaded through or are in the process of that, it's almost impossible 
to keep up with it all. It's, it's just amazing uh, the wickedness that is being perpetuated by this administration. Uh, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and end part one there, and we'll go to part two next. God bless you. If you would like to sign up for Scott Johnson's free Christian current events and health newsletters, please email him at drjohnson at ix.netcom.com. That's drjohnson at the letter i, the letter x, dot netcom dot com. With the word subscribe in the subject line. Scott Johnson's weekly audios are available for free 24-7 on the internet at contendingfortruth.com. That's C-O-N-T-E-N-D-I-N-G-F-O-R-T-R-U-T-H dot com. Please help us continue this work. To support this ministry, our mailing address is Scott Johnson, 2nd Line, 450 Conover, C-O-N-O-V-E-R, Boulevard West, number 202, 3rd Line, Conover, North Carolina, 28613. Or on the internet, PayPal can be used at contendingfortruth.com. Thank you, and may the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you.